So have you ever taken uh, that Sunday drive in the direction of Casey Joe's? Could you just have a hankering for a Z-man? And you arrive into an eerily vacant parking lot only to be reminded that KC Joe's is closed on Sunday. And to just, I, I, this is what happens to me. I go straight to be feeling like a victim and I just, I say sometimes out loud, how could they do this to me? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and then in the back recesses of, of my mind, I think about what sometimes can feel a little bit like an old blue law or that archaic kind of thing called the Sabbath the day of rest, an actual Ten Commandment, which says you shall take one day, set it apart. It's a day of rest. It is to be holy. Here, here it is, right, right off the walmart.com website, the Ten Commandments. Could have been Hobby Lobby too. And right there in the third hole, remember to keep holy the Lord's day, a day of rest, which let, let's just take this in for a moment. It's right up there with things like don't murder, <laughs> right? And we look at it, and actually, if we go to the, to the actual passage where Moses receives the Ten Commandments, and he's here, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not lie, you shall not steal, don't commit adultery. Right there, the third commandment says this, remember the Sabbath day, that just means a day of rest, by keeping it holy, which means set it apart from any other day. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And actually, as this is rolling out, I got to tell you, it was revolutionary for that time in that culture, just actually as radical as it really is today. No other culture was really practicing this kind of benevolent approach to work. On it, it says this, on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens. Here's the big why. Why do we do this? Well, because God did. In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And I think if we are honest, we, we, we read that, we see that it's up there on the, on the Ten Commandments. Many of us have it hanging on our wall, and we give it a head nod, maybe a golf clap. We say, well, I'll take it under advisement. But we really functionally, we live as if there are nine commandments in one suggestion. Right? I mean, how many of us actually today take it seriously and do as God commands? And if we don't, why don't we? Why don't you? Why don't I? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Let me just give you one. Because work is awesome. Isn't work awesome? I mean... From a theological perspective, God created work. He calls it also holy. He gives us a sense of commissioning from work. We get a deep sense of purpose and, and our, our sense of worth sometimes in an overflated sense. But, but so much good comes from work. And in fact, just even think about the ratio. God said, I want you to work for six days, but only rest for one. Six days and one. Like work is really, really important and is really at times satisfying, but not for everyone. I want to be clear about that. Some of you are like, work is not awesome. Work is demoralizing. Work is a sucker punch every time I clock in. Others of us are like, I, I'm in transition at work. And even a conversation around work can be really hard. 
Others of you are maybe in a different stage of life where you're retired, and so work means something kind of different for you. You might be a student. You could be a stay-at-home parent, and so we all have to come into this conversation from a place of what does work mean for you right now? But who I'm really talking to? I'm really talking to my peeps out there, my tribe of near, like, borderline workaholics. You're the type A. You're the chargers. On the Enneagram, you're maybe a three. Possibly you're, you're an eight. You're adrenaline-seeking, never satisfied. Go for it. Leave it all in the field. Junkie, who are you? Like, are you out there? Are you my tribe? You're like, yes, work is awesome. It is awesome. Like, I'm in this place in my life where I, I get to serve as... As a teaching pastor here, I've got like three or four different sermons in my head at any one time. Started a business a year ago, working on a second business. And like I'm putting in, I don't know, 65, 70 hours a week, and I love it. My wife just last night gave me a card. And it was so, it was so cool. And one of the things she wrote, she said, honey, you work so hard, I'm so proud of you, and you never complain. And I read that, I'm like, complain? Why would I complain? I get to work. Actually, the problem is not that I don't complain. The problem is that I don't complain. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, like, because my problem is I never complain. There's no problem. No problem <laughs> at all. Hey, uh, hey, Dan. The work creature, Jen Decker, well, everyone. Let's just welcome work creature to the stage. They're very excited oh, good. To, to, to receive you today. Yeah, I'm, yeah. A, I just, yeah. I'm on a quick call for work, but I'm on You're, hold. You're on with who? Pressed, who? Who are you on pressed hold? Pressed one for English and then said I would hold right, longer. Right. With who? Who are you I on just, hold with? Just one of my clients. Your client. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and you're here because you too have a problem, Jen. Well, no, no. I can come to church and work. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think it's my hunch that many of us might have a little bit of that insatiable desire and hunger for work like you. Yes, I can hold longer. <laughs> so, um, that maybe we should just take a bit of an assessment. So this is why we had you download the app if you didn't already have it. Go ahead and grab your phones, your, right? And we're gonna go ahead and go to that app and right at the very front, you're gonna see it will say workaholic quiz. We have created what? a quiz that... Okay. Um, Sorry, thank you. What, thank you. What's, he le I, left, I left my phone in the bathroom. You just you, hold that. Which phone was in the bathroom? Just, can you just hold this one, please? I'm on hold on this one. Okay. Thank you. Thank and, you. And why do you have two phones? Oh, because I have boundaries. So one's a work phone <laughs> and one's a personal phone. That way my personal life doesn't get into my work life and my work life doesn't get into my personal life. Well, that's clearly working for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. N nice job. Well, let's take this quiz together, okay, shall great. we? Everybody, you have your phones. You have, have this up. Ten questions. We've created these. These are designed to be mostly whimsical but slightly poignant. All right, so let's, let's pull it up, and we're going to do this one at a time. We're going to go all together. Number one, do you check your email before you eat yep. in the morning? Yep. At stoplights. Yep. And go lights. <laughs> it's a go light if the person behind you honks. And, that means and it's in the bathroom, and clearly you have your answer. I'm giving you a 10. Yes, all right? 10. All right, do you, all, you put your answer in there? 10 out of 10. All right. Do you, number two, create checklists at work that are almost impossible to complete? Hmm? Might be impossible for some other people to complete them, but I. <laughs> okay, all right. So we'll, we'll we'll make pride a different uh, sermon. Okay, good. Number three, you all taking this? Okay. Have you put off seeing your doctor for health concerns because it will interfere with your work or well, your work schedule? I did ask Sarah about that mole last week, and she didn't think it was a big deal. So I can 
You don't, that, you, that, that feels, that seems kind of personal, okay. right? Well, it's Back to fine. boundaries. It's probably nothing. Okay, so uh, nothing. I'm going to give you, what, I don't know, a solid nine. nine. Okay, no, uh, next question. Do you have a time set aside each week when you refuse to work? Sure, sure. What? When do I do that? Mm. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to give I, you a 10 I, there, Jen. Sure, I have. All right, we're going to move on. Do your loved ones often ask you to stop working, either by inference, <laughs> by new... You can go now. You by can go suggestion, now. Thank you. by strong head nod. All right. It's not like he's okay, an that, expert. Uh, that's a 10. I think he's an expert. Uh, do you have a hard time shutting off work thoughts at night? Okay, I have a question about this one. What if you dream about a work thing? Like, yeah. if you dream about a work yeah, thing. Yeah, that's next level. Oh. That's next level. So, so th that's an automatic 10. You are overachieving. Yes. Next question. Do you tell a significant other that, quote, you're packing up from work to come home, even though you're not actually packing up? Well, you could be pre-packing up. could be pre-packing. There is no such thing as pre. You're either packing up or you're not packing up. And, and we're going to talk about lying in two weeks. That's, our, that's, a, that's a sermon thing. <laughs> Right? Okay. All right, I'm giving okay. you a 10. All right, do you, everyone, you got to be honest about this. Do you sneak work at important events such as wedding receptions? I didn't, I didn't even have the heart to put funeral in there, okay? A wedding receptions, kid activities, or church, or church. Hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, whistle, whistle while you work. All right, do you, next question, do you feel guilty for not working even when it's not expected of you at night, weekends, vacation, and you feel this kind of internal angst? I expect it of myself always. Mm, all right, you just gave me your answer. Do you feel less excitement when you complete a project than you thought you would? Less excitement. You thought it was going to be awesome. You thought you'd like have the feeling of, of arrival, and then it's just on to the next thing. Hmm? Mm. What do you give? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ten, ten, ten. Ten. All right, all right. Ten it is. Yes. 99. Yes. 99. That's an A. No, yes. no, no, no. That's, that's pathology. Winning. That's That's pathological. I'm winning. Is what that is. Oh. Yeah. Oh, DoorDash is here. I oh, got to yeah. I got to go. Right. You know what? I'm sure oh, the rest of this is going to be great. Yeah. Hey, I'll catch it this week online. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. I can do it in the car. Let's, uh, let's okay. thank our work creature, Jen, Jen Decker. All right. How we do? You all take it? You all have a number? Shall we do a little um, super inexact, unscientific uh, diagnosis of ourselves? You up for that? Okay. You with me? You all have a score? Head nod? All right. So, uh, and if you're uh, online anywhere, you know, checking this out, go ahead and just throw your score up there if you want to, if you're so brave. But if you are zero to 44, it says LS at the top. You know what that stands for? Lovable slacker is what that stands for. Right? <laughs> This is, here, here's what that basically means. It means from a workaholic perspective, we kind of admire your life, but we really don't want it because it sounds kind of boring, is, is, is really, right? And uh, the more technical, this is all, again, we're just having fun here. You may have a tendency to lack motivation, struggle to care vocationally, and are on a search for greater vocational purpose and meaning, right? We love our lovable slackers. All right, if you scored 45 to, I want to say 75, then you're just what we call a decent human being. That's just what, you know, that's, that's our, our title for you. And uh, here's our, our technical diagnosis. You most likely maintain a sense of balance, practice healthy boundaries, adequate self-care, and have a general capacity for connection, intimacy, and overall life satisfaction. How many, I'm just curious, curious, how many of you are decent human beings? 
All right, all right. Man, we aspire to be you. All right, if you are 76 to 89, you've actually been diagnosed by us, but you've been diagnosed. OHFD, obsessive hyper uh, functioning disorder is, is what we've just assigned to you. And this means that you run the risk of work becoming your highest priority. This pursuit can result in a denial of self-care, a compromise of your integrity, and it can put your most important relationships in jeopardy. Now, if you scored in that top 10 percentile, 90 to 100, you got the score WW. That just stands for Westside Workaholic. Congratulations is what we want to say. How many of you just want to wear it loud and proud? Right, I got some clapping down here by Sarah. Thank you so, so much, right? Right there, like, like Jen Decker. And uh, what does that mean? It means work has perhaps become your highest priority and is most likely negatively impacting your health, integrity, work effectiveness, and undermining your most important relationships. Do you, would you like just an assessment of West Side family at large? You want to just see how we all just aggregate so far, cumulative for the day, 8.15 to 9.30. Let's see if we have our scores in yet. Ooh, interesting. Just a ton of slackers. <laughs> Man, I expected more of you. I thought there would be more in my tribe. Uh, decent human beings, I guess we're just good, well-balanced people. All the teaching from Randy is paying off. I just think that's fantastic. Those, uh, uh, a little bit, you know, getting into the red zone, OHFD, 8%, 4% for Westside Workaholics. All right. Well, congratulations, I guess, huh? So the reason I'm talking about this, by the way, is not because I have it all figured out. I'm talking about this because it is a passion to figure out. Now, there is one thing that I figured out that is working, and I can't wait to share that with you later. But by and large, this is about joining all of us in the struggle of work and its impact for us. And beyond all the tongue and, and cheek and uh, all the kind of facetious humor is the reality that this is something that God has ordained since before the foundations of the world began, essentially. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. And in uh, Steve Poe's book, this is what inspired this whole series. He'll be here next week to talk about anger. He writes this on his chapter on workaholism. No one wants to be known as an addict. But workaholism is different. It seems to be the most respectable sin in the Christian community. I tend to agree with that. Somehow, we give ourselves a pass for it. It's, and even in light of modern-day research. I love when researchers catches up to what God laid before, you know, the foundations of the world began. We're just like, oh, really? Interesting. Research shows that when we don't have a day of rest, it just basically causes everything to go awry. Check out the Harvard Business Review. Here's what they write. Those with workaholic tendencies report health complaints and had increased risk for metabolic syndrome also reported a higher need for recovery, more sleep problems, more cynicism, more emotional exhaustion, and more depressive feelings than employees who merely worked long hours. See, there is a difference between quantity and obsession. So for more, more than those who work long hours but did not have workaholic tendencies. In other words, this impacts your sleep, 
This impacts your physical health, your emotional well-being. This impacts your relationships, and this impacts your productivity. In a different Harvard Business Review, actually shows that your productivity goes down. The very thing that as workaholics we most want to go after is getting it done, it actually causes us to do it poorly, not as effectively. More is not more, actually. And so if we drill back to this, okay, what is really going on in us that we can't turn it off, that we can't actually just stop and pause? I want to go back to the very kind of first and second chapter of Genesis to look at the workflow process that God had for himself and contrast that with the workflow process that he laid out for you and for me. Because interestingly, they're not the same. So if you want to, grab uh, your Bible. Look with me here at Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. It says this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. Now, by the way, let me just say that whenever we get into, you know, creation and days and all that, and is it literal, is it metaphorical? Okay, just, if you can, just zero in to the principle and the point of God's rhythm and what he's doing here. Whenever I go to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, I go, it is so profoundly true. And just capture the truth here in this moment. God works for six days. The crescendoing climax moment is when he actually creates human beings in his image. That's on the sixth day. And then on the seventh, he rests. All right? So let's, let's unpack this for a moment. God's workflow process is he creates everything out of nothing that's called ex nihilo. And basically for six days, God works. Then... At the end of the sixth day, he did what? He finished. He finished, right? So God finished in all of its, it says, vast array. And then he did what? He rested. Right. Now, how about for you and for me? We look at our workflow process. Where does it start for us? It's just a little nuance. Humanity was created on the sixth day at some point, and then the seventh day is rest. So really, for us, our first day, we do what? We rest, right. See how already this is different? We rest, and then for six days, we work, and after we work for six days, the workflow, as designed by God, is we are then to rest, right. So what's the biggest difference here between God's workflow process and ours? Finishing. God gets to finish. I remember when I read this, and this just captured me for the first time. By the seventh day, God rested. I'm like, not fair. Wait, this is a scam. How am I supposed to actually rest? Because I don't get to finish like you, God. There's always something more to do. There's always another cycle of laundry. There's always another dish in the sink. You ever have that moment where you're just about done? You're doing the dishes, and then someone just comes, drops, conveniently drops another dish in the sink, right? You, you get the proposal out, but then they want revisions. You start a company, you sell it, you have an exit, but then you go start another one. When do you and I ever get to finish? And the answer is really never. And I go, not fair. 
God, you worked, then you had this beautifully satisfying, comprehensive, meta finish. Then you can rest. Not for you, not for me, right? So what's going on there? It's actually beautiful. Number one, what do we see here? Rest is given. It is not earned. That's huge. I think it's one of the biggest lies that we have about all of this is we think we work until we finish, and then when we finish, then we can rest. Had this conversation with a friend not too long ago. He's like, what is it, Dan, that keeps me from being unable to go sit on my back deck and just have a quiet moment without first having to mow my lawn, edge, weed, and blow, and do all that stuff. He goes, I can't do it. I got to go do the work. Then if I get to the work, then I can rest. But here's the thing about finishing. Finishing is a mirage. Finishing is a seducer. Finishing is never finished. And so I love how God created this to start with, going, nope, this is a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to get through finishing to get to it. You just rest. That's where you start. What's the second thing? The second thing is God is really the only true finisher. I've been talking about that, right? He's the only true finisher. And, and that word for finish in the Greek kind of translation is teleos, from which we get teleological, from, from that sense of purpose, meaning, design, intent, all these kind of like God is the big meta finisher. You and I, we might finish the little mini things, but there's always going to be the next thing. And we're going to be like how, how it writes in Ecclesiastes that we'll work and toil and sweat, but at night we will still find no rest. This sense of, I will never quite finish, but God does. All right, so if you're building this now, God designed for you and me just to start in rest. We don't have to earn it. And actually, in fact, God is the only true finisher, not you and not me. And then something happens if I begin to listen to myself to go, well, then what workflow process am I truly living by? God's or the one that he gave me to live by? And the reality is, is that I, for so much of my life, I try to live by God's workflow process that only works for him, not for me. In other words, when I refuse to rest, I am trying to replace God in my life. Now sit with that for a second. Listen to yourself when you're striving for that next thing. What's in there for you? Here's what's going on in me. A sense of, I want to be a finisher so I can have a deep sense of satisfaction even though I'll constantly feel this cognitive dissonance even when I get done because I won't think about, oh, I'll miss that or I'll start that or I could have done more. How many of you have ever actually done a checklist and for a rare occasion you actually got that checklist done and then you thought to yourself, well, I must not have had a very ambitious checklist. Let me go think of more things I could do. <laughs> right? What's behind that? For me, control. For me, a need to have everything dialed in. For me, actually, for us, it's a form of idolatry where we're trying to actually take the place of God in our lives. Where we somehow can't let him run the universe for a day. Where we can't trust him with all that feels unfinished and undone. No, I say, it has to be all by myself. I got to get this done 
and then I can rest. That is a lie. Finishing never happens. Rest is a gift. And what would it look like to flip it around and say, I start and rest, and then I work, and then I rest, and then I work, because I'm never done. Only God is. And that's what we've been practicing, and I've been practicing for about a year now. I've been taking the Sabbath thing seriously, and I thought Sabbath sounded a little too, like, religious or whatever, so with my family, I call it Freedom Day is what I call it, right? Freedom internally from the shackles and tyranny of this sense of drive. I've got to do more, do more, do more. And freedom from technology and all the ways that over time it can dehumanize us and, and break our relationships. Freedom from the sense of instant gratification. So what I choose not to do, here are my three things. I don't work on, on my one day. I don't, uh, I don't deal with technology. And I don't shop. Those are my three things. You, you figure out what it is for you right? But those are the three things where I know I'm slipping into, I got to do this on my own. And instead, on Freedom Day, I come to God and I basically say this, God, you are the only true finisher. So I give to you all that is unfinished. I choose today to rest, not because I'm done, but because I'm yours. And so, my day, I love my day. I don't know what I'd do without my day. I, I just become super lazy, right? Uh, I have like a spot on the couch. I take naps. I read books. I grill out. I take my 14-year-old driving. Holy cow. <laughs> right? I am predisposed to saying yes to my family. I am present to them. I'm just completely wasteful. Right? I do mow the lawn. Why? Because that doesn't feel like work. That actually feels like I'm outside. <laughs> so it's different for every single person. But here's what happens internally. Man, it's like a detox. And all the what ifs. And oh, I got to, oh, and I didn't finish this. And I come into my Sabbath day just like, oh, I just, oh, I thought I'd do more and I'd have this done. I got a meeting on, on Monday. And yes, I've had clients reach out to me on Sunday and I ghosted them. Didn't even know like important ones. Yes, I've had teammates say, hey, we have to work over the weekend. And I've said, you can have any part of my weekend, but you can't have Sunday. And they look at me like this, right? I've, had, I've missed out on stuff. I've had friends reach out to me and no response. My daughters love it, though. That's the cool thing. They're teenagers. They think it's the coolest thing in the ever. They cheer me. They're like, Dad, thank you that we get to be the, the weird family. We're just so grateful. No, I'm kidding. They don't like it at all. They hate it. <laughs> and I don't care. I don't care. Because I know that a right-sizing occurs within me. I know that a true sense of rest happens. I know that our ability to connect is radically different in me and one to another. In fact, as I just took kind of inventory, like what are the benefits of having done this now intentionally for a year? Um, let me just roll them out to you. Number one is a healthy distance begins to occur all the things that felt so urgent, tyrannical-like. Give it 24 hours and like, huh, that's not as big a deal. Number two is a sense of clarity and perspective for my life, for my, my wife and children's life, and for my work. Number three, this, this sense of um, emotional health. 
where I'm just like, I'm just a healthier person, man. I'm, I'm more, more grounded. Number four, connection. I just connect differently one to another. Number five, I have more energy. I'm ready. Like rest makes you better. Rest makes you better. Six, success. I'm not saying I'm a successful person, but I, I mean, maybe Chick-fil-A's got something figured out. You know what I mean? Maybe Casey Joe's. They got something figured out. Maybe what God set since before the foundations of the earth, maybe he has something figured out that we can pay attention to. The research is, Harvard Business Review is figuring it out. And the last thing is actually, I experience God in a different way. I sense a presence with him and with others. I worship differently. Being, being here with you all on Sunday when I'm, when I'm not t- teaching, I, I join my A2 community differently as a result. I experience God and his people more richly as a result. And that's why God says, like, do it. Like, this is for you, but it's also, God says, it's for me. You're to set this apart to the Lord your God. Keep this day holy. Set it apart to the Lord your God. In other words, God's got something in this as well. Not just, this isn't something he wants from you. This is something he wants for you and with you. So I want to give you a challenge to shift from making the third commandment a suggestion to go and know God kind of like murder. I'm going to take it for real. And I'm going to live by way of it being a command where it's non-negotiable. I'm telling you, the freedom that will come, the true rest that will come, the three things I'll offer you, but you can kind of figure it out in between is one, no work, two, no tech, and three, no Amazon. No shopping. And just see what happens. Make it an experiment. Will you take, will you pick a day? Will you pick a day? So Father, I pray over all of us in this room, I know there's weird conversation going on internally. I know there's all sorts of resistances. But we trust you, God. We trust you to run the universe when we rest. We trust you to make a way when we're thinking there's no way. God, you are the only true finisher. And so we give you all that feels unraveled, undone, unorganized, unfinished. I pray that we will choose to rest, not because we're done, but because we are yours, and that we might find delight there, freedom there, joy there, life there. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen.